Good morning, New Life family. All right. I love you too. Lisa, I just want you to know I'm covering for, for Sean today. During our 21 days of prayer and fasting, we have uh, prayer cards and testimony cards. And we would encourage you as you uh, need prayer, write down those prayers, let us know so that we can place them here during prayer time for people to read and then entreat the Lord over. But we would love to have every miracle that's happening, every testimony that's developing in your life. Write that down, amen, so that we can enjoy reading what the Lord is doing too in your life. That would be a very important aspect of us giving him the props he deserves. He's doing so many wonderful things. Amen. This morning, I, um, on the way back up from Huddle, my little grandson is, um, has a long face. And I noticed that the atmosphere was kind of down a little bit. And Dad was ushering him into the restroom to encourage him for a moment. And that kind of inspired me over what the Lord had been talking to me about today. You know, and Dad said, he just refuses to listen. I said, why don't you have to talk like that, Lord, to me right now? The reason we do 21 days of prayer and fasting primarily is so that we can develop in our hearing. We hear so many things all day long. And the one thing that our father won't do is like a lot of biological fathers may do and biological mamas may do is he won't scream at us. He won't holler at us. But he will speak to us and give us the opportunity to hear him. But I have to will my ear to him. I have to will. It's like, get up in the morning, I'm going to write my will out, Lord. You're going to get all my hearing today. You have to break your personal will. Because there's a lot of things out there that's interesting to listen to. Lots of arguments and debates, amen, that will take your mind and it's attractive. It even make you think you'll get wise listening to it. Anybody what I'm talking about? But then at the end of the day, it produces fruit that's not good fruit, and you can always tell the tree by the fruit it bears. It's all about attitude, isn't it? You can have a rotten attitude and know something. <laughs> have you ever been right about something? Next thing you know, you're just, because you're so right about it, you think you deserve the right to bring judgment. Anybody done that before? And that's not the attitude of our father. And he's the judge, by the way. He came in flesh and showed us how to be sons. Amen. 
and how to have life in that life more abundantly. And so everyone needs to answer the question, who told you what you believe is true? Everybody in this room needs to answer the question, who told you what you believe, whatever it is you believe in, is true? Who told you what you believe about Jesus is true? That silence is awesome because it registers with our inner man. And we all know at some point in our life, more than, some more than others, we've produced some interesting fruit. And we justified an attitude that didn't match his attitude. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God is a spirit. And those who worship, those who agree with him, they worship, or rather they agree with him in spirit and in truth. And since God is a spirit and God is love, amen, and he's the judge too. He doesn't need me and you judging anybody other than inspecting fruit. That's it. He just wants us to know the tree by the fruit it bears. Did he ever say for you to be mean to someone bearing bad fruit? Did he ever tell you to give someone a Bible study that bears bad fruit? Did he ever tell you to go give them your two bits on your religious idea of their bad fruit? No. No. Matter of fact, he really didn't tell you anything other than the mission of the kingdom, and that was to baptize and make disciples. How do you do that? Amen. Glad you asked. First of all, you need to decide who told you what you believe is true. And do a reflect a reflection on, or rather, reflect on the fruit that you personally bear. And if you don't like what you're getting, ask the Lord to help you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Is that good? So that you can prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. Would that be true? Because stinking thinking, he can't use it and he can't work from it, can he? I want y'all to all know I'm okay with the silence. I know what daddy's doing. Amen. The only reason I read scriptures is for those that are still developing in their hearing. Daddy gives me stuff that I don't have to read a scripture. 
He gives me stuff from heaven that is an unction from him. And you that have developed your ear, you already know it before I say it. You're all on board before it's ever uttered. You can feel it before it even comes. Because you've, you've taken time out with daddy. And you've, you've allowed him to cultivate you. And to help your ear develop so that you can hear what he's saying. And as you yield and you become broken and you, you break your will to his will. You actually let him breathe from you and utter from you. So that at the end of the day, it's nothing that you've done, but rather look what the Lord has done. Amen. So, again, I challenge you today. Who told you what you believe is true? Amen? Now, let me say it this way. You can get, you can take our politics and uh, you can get it back to the original intent that our forefathers intended for it to be and just kind of hit the reset button, get everything back where it's supposed to be. And if you could do that today, you would still have something to, uh, to address. And it's called the will of those who are leading. Jesus, you know, used Paul to write some powerful things. And he, he addressed some of the believers in letter form. He says, you started the race well. What did hinder you? And you can have a leader start well, but all of a sudden, things get kind of kinked. Influences get in. Debates, ideas, arguments. And all of a sudden, instead of a pliable heart, the heart gets harder. And then the need to be in charge. And then all kinds of fleshly dynamics begin. And I'm just telling you, ladies and gentlemen, unless you can write into policy what it requires a leader to be a leader, and that being born again, baptized in spirit and fire, led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit so that they're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you can reset the politics of our nation and it'll get right back to where it's at now if you don't have the wheel broken. Somehow, Jesus has to be on the throne at the end of the day. And it starts with the heart. So again, I ask you, who told you what you believe is true? And, and if you're here today and you'd like to get that settled, start with a personal evaluation of your own attitude. Is that okay? And if you think someone owes you an apology... You need to double check why you believe what you believe. 
The Lord told me, he says, son, you're not owed anything. That's what he told me. He said, you want to walk with me? Realize I paid your debt off when you didn't deserve it. Since when do I owe you anything or anybody else? That's how he talked to me. But I've carried some ideas in my heart that, you know, I think they owe me an apology. Who told you, son, what you believe about what people owe you is true? Amen. <laughs> owe me. So y'all pray for me. That man in the mirror, God's using him to remind me of how much I need God and how much every day, amen, if I want to enjoy the best that heaven has to offer to me. Heaven has come to earth 2,000 years ago, y'all. God came in spirit 2,000 years ago and baptized 120 with his spirit and with his fire and took his house back. 2,000 years ago, and it started with 120. It grew in the same day 3,000 more, and then it just kept going. And God's house, which is his garden, which is his Eden, is humanity. Those who make a conscious decision, amen, to... <laughs> I like the way Tony said it. You know, it's, you know, the, uh, what is it, popular opinion? The lie or the deception or the, he used another word. Anyway, the myth of popular opinion, who? Who? How did you and I get influenced into believing some of the things that we believe and so worked up in a lather that we've got to prove it and argue our point. The moment that I think that I need to argue for Jesus, I got suckered. It's the other Jesus that's pulling me in on that one. And that's why Paul wrote why he, what, the way he wrote it. I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve, and he writes it, that you would be beguiled by another gospel and another Jesus. You know, it's in the Bible, y'all, for you that haven't read yet. And most of the professed Christian world, according to Paul's writing and according to Jesus' own words, worship the other Jesus. Y'all, I don't want to be worshiping the other Jesus. But you can do just a little... A little attitude check and find out if you're not, if you are not. Therefore, know this and don't forget it. The spirit-led life is the only life. There is no other life. And my will is key to the way I worship God. If my will has leaven in it, I'm not giving him my heart correctly. Therefore, I'm not worshiping him. 
It's either him or it's not him. Amen? And so he is so quick to come to his house. If you're feeling like, oh my goodness, the way you're preaching today, Pastor, I don't know if God will ever give me hope. Oh yeah, you're here today. And he is much more easy to receive than the lies and the debates that we keep entertaining. The dynamic that we give off sometimes that's not his attitude, what you had to go through to get that and then give that away, that's heavy and burdensome. That's hard. But with Jesus, it's light and it's easy. And a child wouldn't even err from it. Receiving spirit and fire is easy. Being baptized with Jesus is easy. He designed every person to receive him. The only thing hard about it is letting go of your stinking thinking. The only thing hard about life, receiving life in Jesus, is I've got a bone to pick with somebody, or I've got a point I need to prove, and bless God, if I was the president, things would be better around here. And he can't baptize that. He wants you to break your will about fixing anything, get over it, and come to him, amen, because you're heavy laden and you can't produce nothing but an attitude in the first place without him. That's bad. Is that true? But with him, all things are possible. He's going to finish what he started. The kingdom of God came 2,000 years ago, ladies and gentlemen. And of this kingdom, there shall be no end. What's going to shake out of this world is the kingdom of hell, not the kingdom of God. What's going to burn up with a fervent heat is everything that can be shaken, will be shaken. Until everything that cannot be shaken remains. And I'm going to tell you what's going to remain, the church of the living God. Jesus Christ is going to be who he, he, it's already that now. It's going to manifest in this earth. Who told you what you believe is true? I guess I'm not going to read no scriptures today. I want to give my daddy's daughter some props right now. I happen to be married to her. But the last few months, I've heard her multiple times say things that uh, only daddy could say. I got to think, when I'm married to that girl. And, um, but she has a saying that I've heard say, she says it often over 42 years. And, and that saying is, <laughs> don't worry, I've got it. Everything's going to be okay. I've heard her say that to many people. And I've watched her save people <laughs> and be Messiah many times in 42 years. And at the end of the day, she's wondering, why am I so beat up? 
Ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing wrong in you encouraging people not to worry. Matter of fact, there's nothing wrong with you saying to them, everything's going to be all right. The leaven is when you say, I got it. As long as you've got it, that means God ain't got it. The angels ain't got it. And all the other relationships that are supposed to be in the mix, they ain't got it either. Just pause. Because you're looking, oh my God, I've said that before. God did not ask us to play his part. But I have a little problem there too because... As much as I'm giving her props, the other, this past month, I watched her almost say it and not do it. She started to and she stopped. And I was going like, she's going to say it. And she didn't. She paused. And she began to realize, nope, daddy has me doing this. And he wants me focused on this. And I can't go save that. <laughs> I watched her, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm married to that girl. Daddy's daughter is taking authority right now, and she's regrouping, and she's focused on what her call is and what God-given mission is. And she's saying, I can't save everybody. Oh, she was ministering to me. I wasn't even paying attention to how I do the same thing sometimes. Who told you what you believe about saving people is true? Why you got to say it like that? There's only one Savior. There's only one King forever. And I've decided I want to walk with him. I want to be like him. Jesus has a group of people in John 8. If you get a chance, it's in the Bible, John chapter 8. And he's addressing the Jews that are following him. But you'll underline that in your thinking. He's addressing the Jews that are following him. All right, now, now let me talk to you. The Jews that are following him have all kind of religious influences around them. And these religious influences are challenging their following of him, and therefore they pick up the questions from all these influences, and they bring these questions to Jesus. And Jesus addresses them. And he lets them know. He says, uh, if you're Abraham's descendants, then why are you seeking to kill me? They're following, keep in there, they're following him. The Jews that are following him are seeking to kill him. 
Is anybody here following Jesus? Are you trying to kill him? Oh, I'm just going to be up front with you. I know there's not a one in here that would, oh, absolutely not. Well, Brody, why don't you listen to Daddy then? He says, you're not hearing, this is, you're not hearing me because there is no room for my word in you. You're so full of religious ideas and your opinion of God, there's no room for me in you. He says, I'm telling you what I've seen in the presence of my father. But you do what you've heard your father do. Well, our father's Abraham. He says, no, if Abraham was your father, you would, you would know who I am. Your father is the devil. That's strong talk, isn't it? Jesus is the one saying it. And he said, now, he's telling me, son, I want you to identify the devil in all of your thoughts. And the only way you're going to do that, you're going to have to let me in a little bit more. And you're going to start with agreeing with me. You really don't know that much. Oh, but I can quote a lot of the Bible, a very lot of it. No, you don't, you don't know nothing, son. I need you to know me. I need you to know the author of every one that had a pen in their hand. I need you to know me. And my mission is not for you to quote the Bible. My mission is for you to baptize and make disciples. Amen. Your problem, he said, is you have no room for me in your heart. And most of those who were following him could quote the Torah. And they could give you a discourse over all the 600 plus laws that a lot of them were just added by humanity. Who told you what you believe is true? Paul, I just wonder how much time it took for Paul to achieve the status of a Pharisee of Pharisees. I mean, he was upper echelon. He was so influential as a religious leader that they gave him permission to go kill Christians. Are y'all catching this? Would that be killing Jesus? And he took the paperwork with all the signatures of the fat cats. And he was, he was knocking them out. And he was on his road to Damascus to get more. And he is doing with passion the work of God. Anybody been doing God's work lately? 
passionately and didn't know you were killing Jesus in the process? Who told you what you believe is true? I'm pausing for effect here because doing a reflection on where we are personally in our heart towards heaven, doing an inspection of our own personal, look, the Lord said, now, now you catch it on, son. First do your own personal fruit inspection. Then you might can look over <laughs> and check theirs out. If yours is not where it belongs, I wouldn't advise you to check theirs out. You're going to mess up and kill me some more. Did y'all catch that one? So the potential of anybody that reads the Bible is to kill Jesus. And I said it that way on purpose. Because the letter kills. The letter kills. The letter kills, but the Spirit makes alive. If you quote a scripture in the wrong moment, it kills. If you quote a scripture with the wrong attitude, it kills. When you use a scripture to promote your perspective, which is not God's, it kills. And the enemy loves everybody that will take the Bible and get intellectually astute and go start slicing and dicing. The Bible without the Spirit is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But with the Spirit, it's the, it's the tree of life. It's a life giver. Only few be there that find it. You know the tree by the fruit it bears. Man, heaven is hitting home today. Because he's hitting me. I would encourage you not to pick the Bible up unless you're ready to break your will. Because you're going to go kill Jesus if you do. Every time I get a hug from you, I'm getting a hug from him. Amen. And Paul is killing Jesus. And the Lord strikes him down on the road of Damascus. And he says, Paul, or Saul, before he changed his name. Man, he had to go undercover for a while. And God was okay with that. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Mm -hmm. 
And Paul, he was so devoted to his faith. Do you imagine how, can you imagine how he felt when he found out I'm a murderer? I thought I was doing God's work. Who, who is this Lord? I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now get up. I got a second for you. You go and you wait till Ananias gets there. He's going to tell you what you ought to do. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to talk to him. And you're going to know it's me speaking through him when he gets there. For without a preacher, how can you hear? Anybody need your ears to develop? Amen. God's looking for each one of you to get a revelation of who it is that's influenced what you think you believe. God wants your heart because he needs that tongue in your mouth to give away the good news. Not bad news, good news. That tongue in your mouth gives you identity. From the heart, the mouth speaks. Is daddy in his house? And if he is, the tongue is going to reveal evidence. And it's going to bring life. And he's going to continue to create and have dominion and authority in the world around us. Because he has your heart. Amen. You've got, <laughs> you've got 12 spies Ten of them, apparently they didn't spend a lot of time together agreeing on what God said through Moses, you know, because they were part of the group that says, look, you go up, Moses, and you go hear what God says, and you come back and tell us. That's dangerous when you have somebody else here for you. You don't want nobody else hearing for you. Because ten of them couldn't get it. But there's something about Joshua and Caleb, they're a little closer to Moses. Matter of fact, there's indications that they could, they were up the mountain enough. Amen. When Moses went up, they went up with him a certain distance. And there's strong indications that they could hear too. Because when those two agreed, who told you you were grasshoppers in their sight? I know some of you hadn't read it yet, but. The ten come back and said, we're grasshoppers in the sight of the Canaanites. There ain't no way we can take that land. It ain't possible. And I could just imagine Joshua and Caleb saying, what? Who said we were grasshoppers in whose sight? Oh, we're well able to take it. How do you know that, Joshua? How do you know that, Caleb? I know the who that told me. I'm aware, I've heard, and I'm convinced we're well able. What was, it, was it Gideon that said to the angel of the Lord, says, I'm the least among the tribe. I'm, I'm poor. And the angel said, who told you that? I, I say you're a mighty man of valor. Who told you what you believe is true? 
about whatever it is you say you believe. You need to know the who. You can't worship God and mammon. You got to make a decision, ladies and gentlemen. It's either the blesser or the blessing. Which one are you going to go after? Closing with this. There's been enough said today already because conviction is heavy and, and that's healthy. I don't sense one ounce of condemnation anywhere in this room. I feel hope in all of our hearts exploding right now. I remember, y'all, a time when I heard some news. <laughs> So-and-so said. Anybody know what that feels like? They said, who are they? And we got to find out who they are. There's a lot being said. Just want to pause for a minute. He keeps telling me he's in complete charge. And he's wanting you to know what you have been considering about the world around us. Get over it. He's about to blow your mind. Yeah, it's pretty dark. But he said the light's going to shine like you ain't ever seen it shine before. And what's so stupid that's going on, there's an awakening happening. You got to know the who. And I heard through the grapevine I was about 17, 18 in that range, just before my wife had the honor of knowing me. <laughs> Y'all know I'm smack talking, right? <laughs> She'll take the mic from me here in a minute if I don't hurry up. Be on point with Daddy. And I heard that the leaders of the house that I was a part of at 17 had just, in just passed by conversation, was talking about the spiritual people of the house, and I wasn't one of them. I needed that to happen. Anybody ever needed something to happen that you really was in the moment like, ah, that hurt? But I'm in grandma's house and I'm hearing her pray. And I'm seeing the evidence of her connection because she can hear. And she would say everything she heard in prayer. And I'd watch it happen. And I'm learning that that's how our father comes and creates and manifests and glorifies himself. is through a willing person. I'm, when, I, when I talk about prayer, I'm not talking about religious prayer y'all the idea of the religious world and what you should do to pray and you got to fast for 40 days and nights and pray for 12 hours a day and you need camel knees in order to and you might qualify no that's not how daddy does his children and then by the way you may go on a 40 day fast and you might pray for 12 but it's that's not what qualifies this if you go there, it's because you just don't want to get out of it because you're having so much fun in it. Are y'all catching this? Amen. It's not a grind. 
to have a relationship with heaven. It's not a grind. You don't have to just work yourself, your fingers to the bone to prove yourself so that God will finally use you and validate that you're part of his family. That's not how it works. Prayer is fellowship with God. Prayer is his kids jumping up in his lap and him bouncing them. Prayer is you playing in daddy's playground and him giving it to you. Prayer is you repeating what you hear your daddy say. Don't understand a word he said. Don't matter, but my daddy said it. And then all of a sudden, well, see, I told you he said it. I don't know how it happened, but there it is. That's daddy. That is a relationship called Prayer is called a relationship, an intimacy with heaven. And he is looking for someone that will just take a moment and feel after him. Just feel. Just, just feel. And he's, I'm suddenly, he suddenly comes to his house. He comes to his heart where he belongs. Suddenly, just by me feeling. You don't have to prove nothing. He knows you got baggage. He knew you was going to have it before you got it. And he chose you anyway. Wow. And he, some of us were going to be 80 years old before finally said yes. And he's okay with that. Isn't that amazing? It don't bother him. And when we're born again, we're still kids to him. We're his kids. And all this other stuff that we're hearing is not coming from him. That's not how he treats his babies and his sons. And so I hear this, <laughs> and I needed it to happen to me. And I go tell Daddy. I was a teenager. I played a lot of basketball, football, and doing what I love doing the most and being a teenager. So it's hard to be spiritual when you're a teenager. <laughs> Y'all pray for our youth. The world's drawing on him, it's pulling on him. And so I told I told Daddy, I said, apparently I'm not spiritual. And I want to be like grandma. I want to I want to catch this thing. And he said, and he spoke to me. I, I heard him. And it wasn't audible. It was just this, this knowing that all of a sudden I just know something. And it just was right here, whoo, like a pressure. And it's, I just know it. And he said, everybody you come in contact with, just encourage them. Watch what happens. And so that's what I did. I'd go to work. I'd see somebody. And I, and I made my mind up. I'm not going to work for a paycheck. I'm going to work for Jesus. And I got a paycheck. Interesting enough. It was awesome. I didn't have to go for it. I went for something else, and I still got it. And when I went for him, I started seeing people as him. and started just whatever I felt would be an encouraging word or encouraging conversation. I made sure it stayed encouraging. Next thing you know, they won't know, what do you got I don't have? And I think, okay, that's awesome. I'm glad you're asking that. Uh, 
I think I know what it is. I can, we can have some fellowship together and I'll talk to you about it. The next thing you know, I got groups coming together. Y'all, he can take anybody. You don't have, I couldn't quote the Bible then. I, man, I knew nothing. I was a teenager. I didn't have a brain yet. And it's awesome when you find out you didn't ever have one in the first place. <laughs> it's just the grace of God. But Jesus wanted me to know, son, this is where we're all at right now. Can we all stand? Jesus wanted me to know. And he wants you to know. Don't worry. I've got it. Everything's going to be okay. Don't worry. He's got it. Everything's going to be okay. That's how simple and light it is to discover who told you what you believe is true? Does anybody need some evidence that he's got it? As the singers come up and join with us today with the presence of God, I'm going to pray for you now. And if you want to come up and get... Your miracle, it's yours. Daddy wants you to have the kingdom. Say that again. Daddy wants you to have the kingdom. Daddy wants you to have the kingdom right now. And he wants you to be his babies. And if you'll let him form himself in you, you can graduate into being his sons. And it don't take a long time when you hang out with daddy. He works miracles in developing our ear to hear. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that we don't have to worry no more. Thank you that you have it. Everything's going to be okay. Let that truth resonate in every heart here right now to the point that Everybody can shut off everything else and give you 100% attention. Show them, Lord, how easy it is to let you empower them to break their will so that you can pour your will into them. Thank you, Lord, like you did in Acts chapter 2, Lord, while they were waiting, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, the very breath of God, the very breath of God. And you breathed on Adam, and you brought life back to Adam and let him live again. You caught him on fire. 
Thank you, Lord, for the miracle of the promise of baptism in spirit and in fire. Thank you, Jesus, for making the difference like you make it, Lord. Fill us today with your spirit. Fill us again. Receive the Holy Spirit and fire. It's yours to have today. God bless you. Amen. If you believe the Lord's got it, why don't you come forward? It don't matter what it is you need to get delivered of. We all need Jesus to have it. Guests, thank you for being with us today. If you need to go, you're welcome to leave. You're dismissed if you need to go. But as we do always, we want to make sure we give Daddy all the extra room he needs in our hearts. In Jesus' name, God bless you.